Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Lots of news to get into today, especially when it comes to Trump's social media platform and the foundation of alt tech completely, which is President Trump is partnering with the number one YouTube competitor, Rumble, to host all of the videos and live streams and whatever else that they're going to have with video on Trump's platform. Uh, RSBN broke this. President Trump is moving at warp speed to establish Trump Media, TMTG, Trump Media and Technology Group, as a force to be reckoned with in the worlds of social media, video, and streaming. TMTG, which received a $1 billion investment this month, announced in a press release on Tuesday that is entering a wide-ranging technology and cloud service agreement with Rumble, an up-and-coming free speech video streaming platform. Just days after Rumble revealed it would provide Distribution services to Trump's soon-to-be-released social media platform, Truth Social, TMTG expanded on the Burgoing partnership. Rumble will deliver video and streaming for Truth Social. TMTG and Rumble are also in exclusive negotiations for Rumble to provide infrastructure and video delivery services for TMTG's subscription video on-demand product, TMTG+. TMTG Plus is expected to become a major player in the entertainment industry and could pose a challenge to the likes of Amazon's Prime Video and Disney+. President Trump remarked on Tuesday, Tuesday's announcement stating that as part of our mission, TMTG continues, I'm so sorry, to align with service providers who do not discriminate against political ideology. Therefore, I have selected the Rumble Cloud to serve as a critical backbone for TMTG infrastructure. Trump revealed that after going through beta testing, TMTG has already launched Truth Social on Rumble Cloud for invited guests only. And the initial beta launch has been excellent. America is ready for Truth Social and the end of cult- cancel culture. Rumble CEO Chris Pavlovsky promised to continue to build the infrastructure to deliver a free, open, and neutral internet through its video platform, which was designed to be immune to cancel culture. We are at the forefront of a movement that believes everyone benefits from access to a neutral platform that hosts diverse ideas and opinions. Pavlovsky added, providing foresight for the months to come. Truth Social is expected to launch spring 2022. First off, thanks to RSBN for breaking that important story when it comes to alt tech, when it comes to taking down big tech, and I think this is a great this is a great partnership. President Trump is building a great platform. That I said on a Twitter space this morning, that is why I like Gab over Getter, because they're building a whole mar- marketplace. They have a merchandise store to fund themselves, they don't need sponsorship money as much. They have Gab TV. They have live streaming. Excuse me. They have direct messages and groups like Facebook does. They have tweets and retweets like Twitter does. Not actually tweets. They have gabs and regabs like Twitter does. And I think Trump's social media platform will add on to the infrastructure that Gab and infrastructure that Rumble, like they're partnering with Rumble, will add amazing, amazing strides for big tech, amazing strides for our own infrastructure, our own marketplace. But this is this is a neutral internet. This is not just for conservatives. This is not just for Trump supporters. This is for everyone to have a voice. And I hope that President Trump upholds that. I hope that they won't go around banning like Twitter does. I don't think they will. But this partnership with Rumble will truly start on the way to a free and open internet, to a public town square where you can truly voice your opinions. So this is an article actually brought to me by someone on Twitter, the Confused Trader. 
Trader, not traitor. Trader, like a stock trader. Wholesale prices measure rose 9.6% in November from a year ago, the fastest pace on record, almost 10%. Wholesale prices increased at their quickest pace on record in November, and the latest sign the inflation pressures bedeviling the economy are still present. The the producer price index for final demand increased 9.6% over the previous 12 months after rising another 8.8% in November. Economists have been looking for an annual gain of 9.2% according to fact fact set. Excluding food, energy, and trade services, prices rose 0.7% for the month, putting core PPI at 6.9% and also the largest gain on record. Estimates were res- for re- estimates were for respective gains of 0.4% and 7.2% meaning the monthly gain was faster than estimates, but the year-over-year measure was a bit slower. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a financial expert. I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what this means. Labor market record, labor mark department's record keeping for the headline number goes back to November 2010, while core calculations date to August 24th, 2014. I'm sorry. Demands for goods continue to be a bigger drive for producer prices, rising 1.2% for the month, a touch lower than the 1.3% October increase. I think this has to do with the supply chain. The supply chain, the lack of workers, the worker shortage that we're having, where people don't want to work, don't want to contribute to society. I think this has something to do with everything going on, pretty much, with COVID, I think. Um, COVID, not COVID the virus, but COVID the the regulations and the just just the overall government reaction to COVID more than COVID itself. Uh, let, let, let's finish off this article here. I, I don't... I haven't actually read this article yet before just now. Uh, those, uh, let's see here. Uh, those numbers come with the headline, Consumer Prices, I think I've already read this. At their fastest pace in nearly 40 years and core inflation the hottest in about 30 years. The Fed begins its two-day meeting Tuesday with expectations running high that it will remove its economic help more quickly and start raising interest rates around the middle part of 2022. Federal officials for months have been insisting that inflation was transitory and closely tied to COVID pandemic-related factors that would eventually would fade. However, in recent days, Chairman Jerome Powell and others have indicated the word is no longer appropriate and likely will be dropped from future central banking communications. Printing money. Well, let's see. I, I always Google something every episode. How much money has the Fed printed in 2021? Let's see here if it says 341 million to 430 million dollars. That's just printed in dollar value. So adding four hundred and thirty thousand dollars to the mark to to the what what's the word to the economy to okay I I'm trying to think of a way to word this when you add so much money the value of that money goes down what's the guy on TikTok the the monkey explains the more banana is limited in supply banana high value. More banana, lower value. Too many banana, banana not worth anything. And that's why inflation is rising. That's why getting a loan to the bank is going to be so much more expensive. That on top of COVID policy by the regime in power, 
will have an, a, a severe impact in my in in my insight. Well, it does have a big impact on Governor Cuomo's or former Governor Cuomo's wallet. Remember that book that he wrote before COVID was even over? I think it was before the end of 2020. Uh, Cuomo book. American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. That made $5.1 million. Is now being forfeited, the money, the the $5.1 million being forfeited back to the state. A New York State Ethics Board ordered former Governor Andrew Cuomo on Tuesday to turn over millions of dollars in profits from his coronavirus pandemic memoir, giving him 30 days to comply. The extraordinary directive is just the latest development in a fall from grace for the former governor, who's in the span of just four months lost his job and reputation, and who is now facing a criminal trial after being in charge of groping an aide in the executive mansion. It is not long ago that the Governor Cuomo, Mr. Cuomo, was at his peak winning nationwide acclaim and landing a lucrative book contract in the first months of the New York pandemic crisis. Uh, the resulting memoir was intended to capitalize on the moment and give him a financial cushion that would safeguard his future. This is from the New York Times's Grace Ashford and Louis uh, Fair Soderni. I really hope I pronounced that correctly. But by a 12-1 vote on Tuesday, the state's Joint Commission on Public Ethics stripped him from all of his book's proceeds. The board has previously ruled that Mr. Cuomo had received authorization for the book deal under false pretenses, and it was decided on Tuesday that he was not entitled to keep any profits from it. The book's decision rests on Mr. Cuomo's application for approval of the book deal, in which his lawyer vowed that no state property personnel or other resources may be utilized for activities associated with the book. The commission contended that Mr. Cuomo, a Democrat, broke the promise that when he availed himself and the administration officials and lower paid aides to help him with writing, editing, and publication. So, what I'm gathering from this is that he used his executive power, he used his aides, the same aides he probably groped, to write his book, to edit his book, so he could use his power, his title, his position, because he knew that he was going to fall. So he used it to safeguard him Make some money, put the state at risk. Care who who cares about the state when you're making money? That's that that's the Cuomo's ideology, and he used that authority to create a book to make money and to put New York last. I'm glad that he has to give the money back. That, that that's phenomenal for the state of New York, for for the optics, for the optics, for the optics. It's for the optics. My name is GOP Josh. Follow me on Gab. Uh, five stars on a podcast. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning back in. If you left during the break, hope you didn't. But, you know, if you did, it is what it is. Can't stop you. But you should stay. We've got good news. Well, not really good news. We have a lot of news to get into in the next half. And I wish I would have looked through my notes when I printed off that 
second article when I talked about the supply chain and not supply chain, but the the inflation rates and how everything's like ten percent more expensive. So they have another CNBC article. House passes a debt ceiling increase, sending it to Biden to avoid default hours before the deadline. Congressional Democrats passed a debt ceiling increase and sent it to President Joe Biden's desk early Wednesday. The deadline that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned could mark the start of the first ever U.S. default. The president is expected to sign the borrowing limit hike just hours before the Treasury Department forecast it would exhaust its tools to pay the government's bills, an outcome that could upend the U.S. economy. Democratic-held Senate and House passed a debt ceiling increase with only one Republican vote. Let's see if it says who that is in here. Uh, Senator Loomis of Wyoming missed the vote, but I don't see the Republican votes listed in here. Majority Leader Char... Oh, here it is. Uh, nope. Tuesday, the House followed early Wednesday uh, at passing it 221 to 209 margin as only one GOP representative joined every Democrat. Once signed by Biden, the resolution would increase the debt ceiling by $2.5 trillion. On Tuesday, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the measure will raise the borrowing limit to a level commercial funding, federal funding necessary to get into 2023. And there's a funny tweet, if I remember right, from President Biden. Let me find it. Uh, POTUS. Just uh, P-O-T-U-S. <clears throat> Let's see. Or something like... Our debt comes due. Uh, we pay our bills on time, so we're going to take out a second line of credit or whatever. All right, let's see if this is it. Home and around the world. This bill reassure all the economic markets at home and around the world. We're going to continue to pay our debts when they're due. And that's what this is all about. We're going to continue to this pay our debts when they're due. The that's why I signed a bill to fast track the process to raise our debt limits. This was actually the 10th. Hey everyone, we have, uh, okay, so I I have a disclaimer to make. I have a credit card. No, I don't have a credit card, but let's just say I did. And the bill is coming due and I don't have enough money to cover it. I, you know, didn't make as much as I thought I would. So I can't afford it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out to, I have a Capital One card. I'm going to go out to Square. Square, that's Square is not a credit card company. More like uh, American Express or Discover. Hey, Discover, I need to buy a new credit card so I can pay off my last credit card bill. That's what they're doing. We have to pay our debt. So we're going to raise more debt. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna create more debt for the United States to pay off our previous debt because that's how that works. That's not how that works at all, President Biden. I don't really know what the consequences of a default are, but I think whatever they were would be better than raising the debt. But I'm not really... I'm not really sure. We have an interesting story today. From the people that say anti-white racism is not a thing, their employer says differently. Hassan Piker, who is a former member of the the Young Turks, he is uh, Shank Uger's nephew, says Twitch bans him for using a derogatory term for white people. Hassan Piker, one of the most prolific streamers on Twitch, said Monday evening that he was banned for using the word cracker during a live stream. Oh, I I can't say it. I don't want to get banned. Piker, who has more than 1.6 million followers on his account, Hassan Abi, 
and spends hours each day talking about politics and news from a leftist position, addressed being kicked off the platform in a YouTube video, saying he feels the platform is taking a cowardly position by not immediately commenting on why his channel was banned. They don't want to come out and say anti-white racism is unacceptable on this platform, and that's why they're banning the use of that term. I don't think it's actually a racial term, but I'm going to avoid saying it because I don't want to get banned. Because they know they would get clowned on by 99% of the media that isn't predominantly focused on random weirdos that spend all their time in their mother's basement talking about the ethics of being, a- being able to use the C-word. Versus how they should also be use it- able to use the N-word as well. Twitch did not immediately respond to NBC News' request for comment. Piker also did not immediately respond for a follow-up interview. Is, all- is it often used term to insult a white person? NPR reported... Version of the insult appear to date back even further than the original term from, uh, let's see, whip, C-word. Piker used the word during a sign-off on his stream on Monday while I was talking about how two of his moderators who helped run his channel have been banned for using it. He's been called a, a, a C-word more, than, more times than every single one of you referring to people commenting in his channel's chat, according to Vice. Could not confirm the exact quote. Stop crying about this term is what Piker told his followers. Piker said he just wants to move on. I don't care, just make a decision. Piker suggested that the ban was not a proper use of Twitch's terms of service, adding that he has previously advocated for Twitch's terms of service. He said he was concerned that banning the word C-word would, dis- would set a precedent that disproportionately affects black Twitch users. I don't know what his nationality is. Hassan pa- I need to just get a, a de- I need to get a producer just to do my googling for me. Hassan Piker nationality. Well, it says he's an American. He he he's from. Where, where is he? I know he he wasn't born in America, was he? I, I I thought he was. Okay, this sounds very racist right now, but I I don't think that he was born in America. Am I correct? Okay, I'm wrong. I misinterpreted that. He was born in New Jersey, but he was raised in Turkey. So I, I, I was partially correct. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I didn't mean to misrepresent where you were from. I honestly didn't, wasn't really sure. But he was from Turkey. And I, he's American. I don't know what his nationality is. I don't know if he's a, 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 a POC, as they like to say. But I know, I, I can almost guarantee, that he is one of them that goes on his Twitch stream and says, anti-white racism isn't racism, it's reverse racism, and reverse racism doesn't exist. So being racist to white people, being disrespectful to white people, being simply because of their race, is not considered racism, guys, because it has to be prejudice. If you hate all white people... It's not racism because it has to be prejudice, even though that's what pre- uh, preju- prejudice is. I don't think anyone will be deplatformed for anyone should be deplatformed for one mistake, and I doubt that's the real reason that he was banned. But I'm not really sure. I don't. I'm not a avid Hassan Abi viewer. Just like a Nevada Senate candidate claims not to be a career politician, but he has ran two times, or several times, in two states. Sam Brown, candidate for Senate in Nevada, claims he does not want to be a career politician, 
despite leaking, le- seeking at least two and possibly three different offices in two states over the past seven years. He describes his sense of duty and a real need for him in the position. Graduated from West Point, uh, and two years later went on his first deployment to Afghanistan. The reason I chose the U.S. Senate is because we have a real need there, he said during a November appearance on Nevada Newsmakers. Catherine Cortez Mosto is more in alignment with Chuck Schumer and the Democratic Party and moving further and further left each cycle. I don't believe that represents Nevadans very well. If Brown defeats former Nevada Attorney General uh, Adam Luxalt in the Republican primary, he will face Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Mosto in the 2022 midterms. Luxalt was endorsed by former President Trump, and most Republicans are backing him, which he will face Brown in that primary. He is leading... Cortez Mosto in general election polling and leading in the primary. With the in support of one Republican donor, Don Ahern, Brown feels he was the candidate most aligned with former President Trump, even though he was not endorsed by Trump. Brown's campaign told Breitbart News, Adam Luxox told our sold President Trump and his supporters when he hired Mitch McConnell's watch an operative to run his campaign. He repeatedly claims not to be a career politician. Even though he's ran multiple times, he's even been on Glenn Beck's show in 2014 when he was in Texas. Gotta be skeptical of people. You, you gotta be skeptical skeptical of these campaigners, these, these politicians, anyone running for an office that claims not to be a career politician. Because they're going to say what Trump said. Trump was not a career politician. He ran one time in 2000, if you even count that run. He's not a career politician. Trump is not. These people claiming not to be career politicians more than likely have probably ran for office before. Or have been in government somewhere before. Can we trust these people? Let me know. Email me, josh at gopjosh.com. Shorter episode today, but we don't really have a lot to talk about. I'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. Stay tuned.